Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about the aftermath of putting together an event. Uh, we recently put together an artist workshop. Mm-hmm. It was a full day artist workshop where we had several parts of it. It was a master class. Oh boy, was it? Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was uh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you right now, like hanging out with a bunch of creatives during the day, talking about being an artist, being doing art stuff, is amazing. However, we want to um, talk a little bit about things hindsight, things that maybe we would have done a little bit differently. And hopefully that will give you um, some insight into when you're putting together your event, things to think about. Absolutely. But also, and I think primarily, anytime you do an event, there's going to be something that after the fact you you realize that you could have done or you could have done better. And that's just the nature <laughs> of doing an event. And that doesn't mean that you failed in any way. It's just how it goes. Yeah. Because every event that you do is a learning experience no matter how seasoned you are. Um, So that's something to keep in mind as we talk about our shortcomings. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Heidi said, the masterclass yesterday was awesome. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. And by the way, you guys, if you're listening to this, we have our amazing Rogue Artist family here with us today uh, to give us their insight, ask questions, and just basically give us their complete brilliance in these podcasts. So let's talk about the first thing. And it's funny because this is something that I've talked about a lot when it comes to putting an event together. Mm. And somehow, some way, we completely slacked off on this particular thing. So when you are putting an event together, one really important thing is obviously making sure that everybody's comfortable. One aspect of making sure that everybody is comfortable is that parking is taken care of for them. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that you have a clearly defined place of where they can park their car. That is ideally not metered. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, yesterday we had somebody there to help us. And if you were on the live stream, you know of Jamie. Jamie was there reading questions from everybody that was live uh, with us during the live stream of the master class. And on the way there early in the morning, you know, like we're cramming to get everything done and get it set up and ready for the master class. Uh, she texts us and she's like, where am I supposed to park? And we were like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, we didn't think about this. So, yeah, uh, I ended up it was the, it was great that we were right across the street from the bank. They had some parking spots. But even still, like, we were just so busy in the morning that we didn't have time to ask permission to be able to park there. So, unfortunately, we kind of had to ask forgiveness instead. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't recommend doing it that way if you can avoid it. Not with parking. The last thing you want is for your attendees to either get a ticket, which thankfully for us, no one did, or get their car towed, which thankfully for us, no one did, or get little... Um, flyers on their window that say that you violated our parking rules <laughs> and next time you do it you'll be towed which did happen yeah people did get warnings luckily the <laughs> bank didn't uh have anybody towed the the funny thing about this is that i literally on on the, the rogue site on the resources page i have a checklist right that you could download for doing an event it's a checklist of things to keep an eye on when you're setting up an event And on that, I think it's like number four is make sure that parking is taken care of. And yeah, so every time you do any kind of event, whether you're putting it on yourself or you're, you know, getting ready for an event that somebody else is doing, you're going to forget things. You're, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the day before when we were gathering final supplies, the cashier at our local convenience store said, um, if you don't forget at least one thing, I'm pretty sure you break the universe. And so... <laughs> so the, we didn't break the universe The good yesterday. news is we didn't tear a hole in the fabric of space-time. Uh, we did forget an HDMI cable, which Rafi had to run home for. Yep. I highly recommend making yourself a last-day prep checklist, right? 
know what, like, if you're doing pre-staging ahead of the event, know what's there and know what you have left to do the morning of. Because the morning of, you're going to wake up and you're not going to know where you are. And you're going to have a very short amount of time in which to get your shirt together. <laughs> um, And I do things like... So, like, I'll plan my outfit the night before, even if I don't lay it out, just because, like, I really don't know where I am in the morning, so that I can just, like, zombie my way over to my closet and grab the things. Um, I usually try to pack any materials the night before, you know, so I can just grab bags or whatever, but inevitably, there's one thing. And that's also why it's helpful to have a friend helping you out. So like in our case, Rafi was able to run home and get the HDMI cable. But if not, um, we would have at least had uh, someone there to help find one. Right now, this is this, is you know, it was convenient because like our event wasn't very far from the house. So I was able to run home. But if we were doing an event and it was like an hour, hour and a half away, then that just I would have ended up having to go to the store and buy an HDMI cable. So you're better off making sure that you have that list. And the thing is that the night before I knew that we needed the HDMI cable and I knew exactly where it was. And it wasn't until I was setting up the equipment at the event that I was like, shit, you know, it. And those are those moments. Those are those moments that you are like, shit. And the thought popped into my head of like, well, no HDMI cable or do I go and get one? So there was that decision making process of like, do I run home and get one? Do we really need it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? In our case, it was absolutely worth it because it was facilitating the slide projection that was happening behind us. and. When you're doing a really, really long speaking engagement, visual aids just make it feel more dynamic, yes. I think. Yes. Um, so in our case, yes. <laughs> Anahans is asking, I've done some public speaking and I was wondering how you felt about audience interruptions. Uh, that's a good question. So one of the things that I, I've done a lot of public speaking in my lifetime, uh, before I did this whole art thing, I did corporate training events with like hundreds of people. And there's always the possibility that you're going to run into somebody, uh, something, some situation where somebody just kind of interrupts. And a lot of times it's better to just, uh, you know, if it's a quick question that you could take right then and there, great. If not, um, it, body language is a big deal when you're doing public speaking. So you just kind of hold your hand up like this and you say, that's a great question. Could we save that till the end? Or that's a great comment. Could we save that till the Q&A portion of this? You know what I mean? Fried just came in and said sneaks to his seat quietly. <laughs> <laughs> I would add um, it really, for me, depends on the nature of the interruption. Uh, when it comes to questions, I fully agree with what Rafi said. And if it's a question that we can answer quickly in the moment that adds to what we're doing right then and there, then cool. If somebody needs to get up to get food or use the bathroom, for me, that's like no big deal whatsoever. And I like a casual environment where people feel comfortable enough to get out of their seats when they need to. Yeah. Honestly, the only interruption that I find to be super distracting, um, and we only had this happen once yesterday, was where audience members engage in a conversation on their own that's separate from what's happening in the workshop and loud enough that the rest of the audience can hear it. Um <laughs> And it happens, right? Because it's, you get talking about stuff and, and you just go. And it's not like an intentional distraction on the audience part either. They're just doing what they do. And I think that you handle that really well. Yeah, yeah. In those situations, I think at the at the workshop that we did at Titusville, when we were talking, um, there was a group where there was a conversation. And you can literally, you got to remember, you're the one that's in front of, you're the one that's on the main stage. So in some cases, it's just a matter of, and I've done this before in corporate training as well, when that happens, just a matter of like, do you guys have something that you want to share or could we continue? You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and what's important, what I found that is most important is that you don't allow yourself to get upset 
when that or happens flustered, yeah. or flustered that you just kind of handle it in a fun way because it is and it's innocent right yeah. it's not like someone's deliberately being disruptive susan said quietly lurking eating lunch <laughs> hi <Excellent>. susan <laughs> um you know and if someone is being deliberately disruptive that's a different animal altogether have you had people being deliberately disruptive in I, corporate training i did i did there was one corporate training session which is hilarious right because as a corporate trainer i was the one that was training like the management I was the one that was putting together the groups of people that were going to be opening up this, the new business. And in one of them I had, which was funny, I think whenever something like that happens, you really got, you have to stop and think to yourself, like, what is the, what's going on here? What is the interaction? Like, what is my fear of whatever? And it just so happened that it was like this jock, this jock kid that uh, was trying to be funny in front of the class. Like, he was the, the class The clown. class heckler? Yeah, he was the class heckler. So, like, I said something, and then he said something, and then the class, you know, laughed, and I, I laughed with him. And then because, you know... He, the class laughed and I laughed and he got he got some steam under him. He got some steam going. I see. <laughs> and at one and so like at one point I was like, okay. And I was like, listen, I appreciate your jokes and I think that you are extremely funny, but this isn't stand up comedy. We're not here to heckle me. I'm here to. You we know, are here to learn. Things, we are here right? to learn. Now this was a free master class, right? So. I find that when people have paid for events in the past, they tend to um, they tend to be a little bit more, you know, they're paying for it. So, like, they're there to be a part of the class. But you'll still run into stuff like that. Dan said, I was teaching a class last weekend and someone I didn't recognize came in and was just standing there. Finally, I asked him, can I help you? Turns out we've met online and he stopped in to say hi. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's it's, cool, but it's, it's also so awkward. awkward. It's so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Marty said, I've had a four-part workshop with adults for the first time and I find it so hard compared to my to kids which is my yes, background yes uh you know it's it is it is interesting because i've there's there's a leeway and there's an expectation when it comes to kids and kids get really they start concentrating on the thing that you're doing with them um uh, i find that adults sometimes have way less concentration than kids do and are are a little bit more um, vocal about it, I guess, uh, when they when they get distracted. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have a lot of experience teaching or speaking in front of kids, but I think back to when we did the talk with the Montessori school. Yeah. Um, and it's Montessori kids, right? And I don't mean to, like, group them in a different group, um, but the Montessori kids were highly attentive very organized and very thoughtful with their question asking. But I think kids in general, really, unless they are bored or not being engaged in a way that's good for them, I think kids are very attentive and very thoughtful. Even still, they're used to a class environment mm -hmm. where, like, you don't speak unless you raise your hand and that yeah, kind true. of thing. And, you know, another another thing on hand that in order to, like, keep that is doing housekeeping it's called the housekeeping in the beginning mm -hmm. where you announce to people like, listen, uh, you could ask questions during the thing. Just raise your hand so I could finish my thought and then we'll take questions or we'll take questions at the end. So if you have a really good one, just hold on to it. Please don't blurt out, blah, 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 blah. And you kind of like set up your you, you set it up that way. For the most part, whenever Clean and I do something, and even though this was like big master class and we had a lot of stuff to cover we try to keep everything as casual as possible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a big fan of that, like, environment where it's like you sit there and you be quiet or else you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, type of I don't thing. Like, like that I don't, either. I don't feel like that's our jam. Dan followed up on his story by saying, I thanked him, but I got him out of the classroom ASAP. It knocked me out of my room. Yeah, that, I would say that that's the biggest issue. There was only one time yesterday that something knocked me out of my rhythm and it was it was an interruption. I was in the middle of saying something and then someone wanted to uh, put in their two cents. And it just kind of, you know, because you're 
you're on a stream of consciousness where you're talking. And for me, a lot of it is like just rambles and, you know, like basically my mind is going a hundred miles a minute and I'm talking. And then when you get that pattern interrupt where there's an interruption and then you get back and you're like, where was I? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the only thing. And then, then there's actually, you have to recover from that. You got to give yourself the space to recover because if not immediately in your brain, you're like, oh shit, I lost my place. It's, like, what am I doing? It's like the turning it into a dance segment when you trip over your own feet. Yeah. And then you're like, dun, 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 <laughs> before you hit your stride again. One thing that went smoothly for us, but I know it's a thing and like Dan's kind of um, touching on it a little bit is um, we didn't have anyone arriving late, mm-hmm. um, but I know that that happens. I know in some cases events will... Um, you know, there's an hour long window of like getting there, getting settled in, eating food, meeting the other attendees and introducing yourself. And then once the event starts, the doors lock. Yeah. Right. We didn't do it that way because we didn't. We didn't lock everybody. We in. didn't we're want like, people to feel trapped either. <laughs> and just go up to them and just kind of like we're locking the door. Um, and we got lucky that no one wandered in because we were in a public space, but we were in a private event conference room within the public space. So there was outside noise on occasion, but no one like randomly strolled into our event. So we did luck out there. Yeah. Cameron said, tow truck company would have took the money to the bank. <laughs> they would have taken the money right to the bank. Yeah. I th- uh, Marty said, I think my deer in the headlights eyes last week impacted because this week there are less tomorrow, illness, family, lots of polite reasons. I think my energy was very flat. You know what, Marty? And that's fine. That's fine. We've done some public speaking events where like it was just, you know, when something throws you off, the best thing to do is be like, okay, well, it is what it is, right? Like, let's say that this event, I think this event went pretty well. Of course, you never know when you do the event yourself. So uh, a lot of times, like, it's like, okay, I, you know, you don't know what the perspective is really, Marty. So like, it could be that it was great. And then, the, you know, uh, there are other reasons on why there there might be cancellations or something. It could be that maybe you were a little flat in parts, but they didn't even notice. Like when you see things like that or you think to yourself like, oh, I was a little bit flat. Don't concern yourself too much with what maybe other people saw. Just think to yourself like, OK, I could I could have done that better. How could I have done it better for next time? Right. Mm -hmm. Because I know that a lot of people like when it comes to public speaking or getting in front of a class, that's when that's that's terrifying. And I always think to myself, like, man, that's a missed opportunity for a lot of artists, because if you're an artist, you know, um, doing like a workshop, not necessarily for artists, but doing like a workshop, like a painting thing where you lead people in painting. Yeah. Right. You got to understand like a lot of that stuff. First off, you can make some extra income with that. It could be a lot of fun. You could do like a wine and and painting thing, some kind of thing. When I did my class, right, because in our brains, we're like, well, I got to teach a class and I got to teach the technique. But you there's another degree of um, workshop that you could do when you're doing it as a creative that I think is a lot of fun. And I've done one of those and I want to do some more of them where it's just people that are looking for something to do that is other than just go out and eat or go to the movies or go shopping. It's like being able to sit there with some artists, have a few drinks, and they get to be creative. And you get to be the host or the one that is putting together that show, that that kind of event, that kind of workshop. It's really, really rewarding and really, really fun. It has yes, the potential it is. to be a lot of fun. And, you know, if if people like right off the bat are terrified to get out in front of people and they're not willing to face it, then they're missing out on a really great opportunity to not only connect with a bunch of people, but to, you know, to make a a little bit of extra skrill to make a little extra income. So I'll say also and then I want to read on hands uh, question. 
Um, one of the reasons that I like it that we video our speaking engagements, obviously we like to have the footage for posterity and for people who couldn't make it to have access, but I also like to watch that stuff back um, in order to learn about myself. Yeah. Um, and it can be kind of cringy sometimes to watch yourself back on footage, but we do it sometimes with band pra- live band practice um, and virtual shows and i i don't know that i'll be watching the entirety of this workshop because it was like seven eight hours of talking i mean i will you will i'll be editing it yeah and i'm certainly gonna watch um a little bit of every part of it because i want to see a how it was um because you will come away from your event having no idea if it went well because it goes by like that um and and to take notes on you know my eye contact, my body language, what I said and when, my timing, like where's there room for improvement because there always is room for improvement. And it's not like calculated improvements, but it's like just knowing what's happening, knowing is half the battle, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I highly recommend videotaping stuff like this and then watching yourself back to to understand what your dynamic is. So on hand was saying, I was thinking about the one person who kept shouting out comments that would have thrown me. And I noticed you both handled it smoothly. Yeah. Um, sometimes when it, when it comes to that, like, you know, sometimes you'll get like a comment that comes out and it really depends. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are people that really project their voice like me. (laughs) And then there are people that don't like me, like my voice gets lost in a room so if somebody in the room is has a really uh, – their voice projects a lot, then, you know, you just – you take the comment, you handle it, and you move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we had – now, one of the other things that we would have done differently is probably given ourselves more time per subject or maybe cut out some of the, some of the stuff because the, the thing about it is that when it comes to – doing this you know in our career like there's a lot of subjects like yesterday that was that hours long workshop and yet you know there's still days and days worth of stuff to talk about we hardly scratch the surface i'm gonna jump back real quick and say me personally um i found the comments um helpful uh I I think they added, in our case, they added to the dynamic rather than taking away from it, Um, partially because I wanted everyone present to feel comfortable enough to speak um, and not to feel shy or awkward about speaking. And so I felt like the one or two people that were willing to kind of speak up um, also encouraged the other attendees to speak um, and ask questions, whereas they might not have felt comfortable doing so, if yeah. that makes sense. And so in our particular case, I did feel like it added to our it did, presentation. It did add because, I mean, one of the things that like could be terrifying for people is where you want to keep it engaged. You want the engagement to be there. There mm-hmm. is nothing worse than doing a speaking event and people are just sitting there waiting. Silently. Silently. Yeah. And, and I... A lot of times I will, in fact, when it comes to that, where I look around and you can kind of tell by body language where somebody is maybe they're just tired or, you know, they're they're kind of in a place where now you've been yammering on for a bit and you ask a question, right? You ask a question of the audience and they don't have to speak. They don't have to respond back. A lot of them will just nod or or say, uh-huh, or raise their hand. It's like, how many people here? Blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, and so in in cases like that where somebody does chime in with something, right, um, being able – being prepared to incorporate that, if it works. If it doesn't work, then you let them know, like, okay, could you save that for the end mm-hmm. um, so that I don't lose my – you know – you're interacting back and forth and sometimes you may have to tell them save it till the end or you just find a way to incorporate those comments into the thing. So it's more of a conversation going back and forth. I think it's one of the reasons that when we have done events like that, it's we, we've been we've been voted as really, really good public speakers 
in workshops and I think that that's because we are very interactive with the people that we're with. And it works because for me, that's my comfort zone. So when the audience is engaged and they feel comfortable to ask questions or make comments, then it feels more like this, where you guys are interacting with us. It feels more like a live stream also, even though it's being typed instead of spoken, if I I really love the engagement, yeah. I really don't love speaking to a totally silent room. And so. that's, that's really what makes an event much more dynamic, right? Yeah. Because like... You might have you might have something specific that that's why even like the content from the master class was we had our notes but um there was also the possibility of going veering off into other ra- areas other other, yeah. other realms other other, realms. other areas because you want you know and that's I think that that's one of the things is like keeping it dynamic where you're you're giving yourself the room to be flexible and dynamic I think I said dynamic twice, but you guys know what I mean. Um, So let's talk quickly, jumping forward again, about our timing and how we structured this event and how we thought it was going to flow versus how it did flow. So here was our basic outline for those of you who are completely unfamiliar with what we did. We had um, five main workshops One of them was a double workshop, the first one that went for an hour and a half, but the rest were 45 minutes. And the plan was that we would talk for 30 minutes about what we outlined on each subject. We would do Q&A for 15 minutes that would bring the workshop to 45 minutes, and then we would break for 15 minutes. But I think the thing to realize is when you're, especially when you're covering a lot of ground, uh, you're going to talk longer than you think. <laughs> yeah. And Q&A is going to go longer than you think. So I would never try to do this format again. I think um, I think actually the framework of it was good. But Rafi and I need like an hour to talk about Just something. Just to talk, yeah. And then probably a half hour for Q&A and then probably a half hour for break time. So like every segment should have been two hours with Q&A and breaks built in. And so really, I think if I had it to do over again, I think it was really good. But I think we probably could have covered less and gone more into the things that we did cover. Because it was a really long day for everybody. And we did cover a lot of ground. And I feel like maybe it was it was bordering on a little brain numbing towards the end. It was a little it was a little it was a little much. I think that people really enjoyed it and they appreciated the web the workshop, but it did run a little long. Yeah. And that's that's something it's like I am everybody that showed up, everybody that showed up for the live stream, everybody that showed up for the workshop, I am you guys are amazing champions. And thank you. It was it, it ran a little bit longer and that would be one of the things that I would I would look at moving forward like all right let's keep it let's keep it small you know we're not planning on going anywhere so it's not like you know if we don't talk about a particular subject that we won't talk about in the future we also knew that we were only going to be able to scratch the surface and that that was going to set us up for thinking about future master classes that delve really further into a topic. Yeah, because all in all, it was a fun experience. So whether we do a, vir- whether we do, well, we're going to do virtual master classes mm-hmm. with our uh, rogue artist community, with our rogue family. But uh, whether we do other ones like in public like that again, you know, it, it was fun. It was a fun, and, and that was the whole reason that we really wanted to put this together in the way that we did was to see like, is this going to be fun? Do we, would we enjoy doing this in, in the long run? I highly recommend, because some of you guys are saying, like, when it comes to art, you freeze up. Um, I think at least getting one or two live, like, I feel like doing live streams is a really good way to get yourself comfortable with engaging with people. Um, this is really the only reason that I'm even willing to do in-person speaking events, because I was wholeheartedly unwilling to do them, like, 10 years ago. But um, doing podcasts and live streams has really opened me up to doing things like this. And it's also the reason that I thrive on engagement so much is because it's a conversation. For me, it's a conversation and it's never a lecture. 
Um, yeah, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of other aspects and components involved. You know, like um, being willing to say something and realize, oh, you know what, guys, I actually don't mean that. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, there there's a lot of things, but I think that it just it's a benefit. It's kind of like what. Uh, Mary MacArthur is saying that maybe we need to develop an artist improv workshop, you know, because that's a good idea. One of the questions is it helps to learn to stay on topic and yet react in a moment, which yeah. is which is a big part of it. And it's that's a big part the, of it. That's the balance. So um, Tish is saying, uh, what an amazing, what an amazing seven days. Oh, that's right. Tish is getting back from the, the vid, vid summit. Vid summit. And all the crazy awesomeness and Rafi and Klee workshop to top it off. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so Mary was talking about how it hard for me to speak in front of people till I took a speech class in college and became a teacher. I can stand up in front of a crowd and talk, but if I'm asked about my art, I go blank. Yeah, it's just practice. It's yeah. the same it's the same exact thing. I was the same way. Um the only difference was because I was I did so many shows, you know, it three shows every weekend for um, seven years, basically. And like when you when you think of those numbers, we're talking thousands of shows and um, you just you get you get more comfortable talking about it and you start to realize that it really doesn't matter what you're trying to say to the other person. What really matters is it's essentially you talking to yourself and the other person is like, Oh, okay. And that's why it's important for you to know like how you would talk to yourself about the art. I think one thing that has helped me so tremendously, and we were talking to a good friend about this recently. Um, the thing that took some of the pressure off when it comes with engaging with people and, and on the fly interaction is that, um, I used to struggle really hard because I thought like I needed to have, the correct response for someone in all situations or the appropriate response, whatever that means. And so I was so busy inside my own mind trying to craft like the perfect thing to say that I wasn't even fully present. This is like 20 years ago, Clee, just to like yeah. flash you back. Anymore, when someone's talking to me, whether it's on the ticker tape or it's to my face, <laughs> um, I'm fully listening to what they're saying and I'm not predetermining what I'm going to say. So that might mean that they say something to me and then I am like, huh, I don't know. And that's okay. Or a response comes to me and like both of those are okay, but I've stopped trying to be correct, appropriate, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, I'm just, I really much more enjoy just being totally present and then being willing to be like, huh, I'm going to need a few minutes to sit with that. Like, I got to let that marinate or like whatever, you know, whatever brain uh, nuggets spill out of me. Cameron said, never too much Rafi time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so another thing in retrospect that I think you really want to look at with your event that I think often gets overlooked and we totally overlooked it was um, guiding people into the conference room space because they they had the address of the library, but they did not have instructions on guys, how to find our conference room. No signs, no nothing. And I thought about it the day before while we were like running around getting all the equipment ready and all that stuff. I was like, oh, we really need to print signs. And I didn't have it on my checklist. And so we get there and I'm like, there's no signs. There's no signs, no nothing guiding people in there. I didn't put a map together. And that's the thing. Like when you put an event together and you're thinking about what parking is going to be, how people are going to enter, uh, you know, what the ADA situation is and how they're going to enter, you make sure that you print up a map and let people know exactly where they're going to go. Yeah. And unfortunately, like it was let that I figured out, oh, we didn't. Put a map out there so luckily it, luckily it, it was okay it was okay yeah. um because of the venue because the our library and the staff at our library is so awesome they were willing they to put, they had a sign yeah <laughs> they put a sign up <laughs> so essentially we leaned on the library staff to direct our people where they needed to be and you're not always gonna get lucky like that we did 
uh, stage manager stuff. Exactly, Mary. Exactly. Unhand said, gotta run. I'd blow off the meeting, but right now the corporate side hustle pays for paint. It is all good. See you, Unhand. Heidi wants to know, the people that attended in person, were they from our area or did some travel a distance? Some did travel a distance. We had um, we had a few people that were going to come from out of state mm-hmm. and uh, Towards the end there, I think that their travel plans got a little messed up. We had about three people, so they ended up not coming. But we had people come in from Butler. We had some folks from from Ohio. From Ohio. Um, And I would say we had a 50-50 percentage mix of Of local? Local and then um, regional. Yeah. Right? So... And that was great because, by and large, they didn't know each other, but I think some friendships were forged. Yes, because that was why it was important for us to set up the the quote-unquote networking, right? I know. <laughs> the networking. Networking is a word that I'm still, like, I'm, redefining I'm still my relationship. I'm like, just, just come and just call it, like, make friends. Make friends. Yeah. We did have name tags mm-hmm. um, for everyone. Um, it, name tags are so corny, but I do love them. And it makes it easier. That way you don't have to memorize everybody's name when you're when you're in there. We had goodie bags for everyone and I was really happy with how those were. I would have added a couple of extra fun things, especially for an artist workshop. I would have given everyone colored pencils and paper to doodle on. Um just as an extra fun factor, I feel like. Um but you know, those are little things that after the fact you're like, okay. Next time. Mm-hmm. The major things were how much we crammed into one day, parking, and signage to let people know where they needed yeah. to be. Yeah, so that's that's just, if you're going to walk away from this podcast, uh, you know, and, and learn anything from our mistakes, it's those three things. We had the most excellent catering on the planet, so... That was great. We did run out of water um, about halfway through the day. We didn't... Whatever amount of water you think you need, just double it. Um, our One of our peeps for the food w- went above and beyond, went the extra mile to bring us extra water midday. Right. Um, so that was heroics, and that was amazing. Big shout out to Marcy and Woods and River Coffee. And Core Goods, and yeah. And Core Goods. Um, Tish said, I'll be in PA July, August. Have tools. We'll travel. Um, she's talking about July Rogue, uh, Rafi and Klee Fest 2024. <laughs> Rogue Fest is still in the works, you guys. That will be a major event that, you know, you well, you guys here on the chat will be the first to know yeah. when that kicks off. Um I I think we did a great job as far as layout, um, ADA accessibility, restrooms, and climate control, and food, right? Those are major, major things that um, if those get neglected, that has the potential to really hinder your event. Yes, Um, yes. And so we don't get 10 out of 10 for planning, but we get like 7 out of 10. Yeah, we did pretty good. I think we did pretty good. I I think it was a success. I think people enjoyed themselves. Um, I think they walked away with some valuable insights and things like that. And they had fun. Considering that how long it was and people were still in good spirits, like, I know that they had fun. So Absolutely. Do I know for sure? No, because I honestly, like, at the end of it, I was like, was it any good? You know, because you just don't know. You just don't know. Our friend who helped us all day said that it was good. Um, And she's a very honest human, so I do trust her opinion. I'm also, after the fact, evaluating the dynamic of having an in-real-life, in-person experience that was coupled with a virtual experience. And I'm really pleased with that dynamic. Yeah. Um, I think that that's pretty cool to bring those two worlds together. Um, And so... I think it's pretty neat if you're having an in-person event to kind of consider if it's feasible for you to do so. Now, we couldn't have pulled it off without Jamie. Um, But to bring the virtual aspect into your in-real-life event, uh, I think it's really neat. And I do feel that... It also added to the dynamic for on both ends. Yep. Um, and so that was a win for us, too, in evaluating. Is there, 
Sarah says, I agree doing live streams is a great way to practice. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. I know that live streams will uh, terrify you at first. But for example, if you're uh, part of the rogue community and you do live streams, then you know that you have a safe group that you could do live streams and really get your footing underneath you. Mm -hmm. And um, doing a big, you know, doing a personal events that you could limit it to like three or four people that could show up and that that will make it a little bit easier for you especially if you are doing like some kind of workshop where you're teaching how, teaching how to paint there there are two different types of you could do a teaching workshop or you could do a teaching workshop you know what i mean <laughs> like, there's there's a difference between them mm. teaching workshop <laughs> um jania is asking rogue fest what time of year around what time uh, we that is still that is still in we the are totally not in the planning phase for that yet we are i wouldn't even say that we're in the pre-planning phase for that i would say that it is happening in so much that we want this to happen at some point. Yeah. But as far as um, it happening 2024, I, I'm going to say it's probably not likely. I'm going to say it's probably a 2025 thing. I mean, we're still we're still trying to manage our own footing and get ourselves uh, set up here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's been two years since we moved in, but there was a lot there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen, and it's still happening with us before we decide to do like a really big event like that. But it is a dream of ours. Um, we know that we probably need a year to plan something Just like Just to plan Fest. it, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if not, you know, you want to you want to take your time and plan something. When you're going to do something big like that, you want to take your time and plan it so that it doesn't suck. You know, a lot of people yeah. are going to be like coming in to the area from other places in the country. Yeah. And we want to make sure that it doesn't suck. <laughs> Absolutely. Wendell said in the dreaming phase. Exactly. It's a dream. It's a dream that we will see come to fruition. We're determined to. But yeah, we're going to give ourselves plenty of time to make it awesome. Yeah. Um, and I know some of the rogues want to get in on helping plan that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you're going to do a major <clears throat> thing, since we are talking about event planning in retrospect, just from having done smaller things, if you're going to do a major, major thing, give yourself a year. People give themselves a year to plan their wedding, right? And if you're talking about some a, even longer, a full scale art and music festival with food and like all the the, the whole shebang, the right, the whole enchilada, at least a year. And you know there are other components to it too. Like if people are going to travel here, it's not going to be a one day event. It's going to be know, like a it's, three four day event. Yeah, right? three or four day event. Jania <laughs> says all we need is a campfire. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so when it comes to events, you know, and of course, when we get that put together, we'll think about parking and <laughs> let's hope and, so and signage. <laughs> How like, do we get there? <laughs> parking and signage, maps, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I would say that given this experience, given the experience of the art exhibitions that we've done, the workshops that we've done, the classes that we've done, I really do think that. Um, if you're worried about doing something because you're worried that you're going to get it wrong, uh, don't worry about that. Like, really, you you end up learning more the more that you do it. You learn how to, you know, if you're speaking, if you're doing any kind of speaking engagements, I know that that could be absolutely terrifying. If not, there wouldn't be books on public speaking out there. It's uh, it's the number one fear ahead of death. Yeah, for most humans. It, it really is. <laughs> and to be honest with you, the only way to really get over it is to do public speaking. The way that I got over my paralyzing fear of public speaking was because I had a job that forced me to speak in front of a group of people. I remember the very first time that the supervisor was like, we need you to make an announcement. I almost died. I almost died. And then I was sitting, I was like trying to make an announcement. I was saying it so low that nobody was listening, which was just completely uh, causing my anxiety to take over. And that was the first time. And now I am comfortable speaking in front of a group of people only because I've done it and done it and done it and done it and, and gone through all those stages of fear. 
Mary said, also, most of the time, no one knows you've done it wrong unless you tell them. Exactly. Learn that in theater. Right? That's the cardinal rule in theater and music performance and any kind of live performance is, like, your recovery from a fumble is so much more important than not fumbling. Yeah. That's the that's the brass tacks right there. How you recover from a oops moment, whether the audience is aware that it happened or not, is 99% of your points at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sarah says, you know, you could probably schedule it with events that are already going on. Uh, not really. That's that's it sounds good on paper, but really it depends on the area and the stuff that's going on. That would be, if we were to do Rogue Fest, you know, you're right on one aspect, but it would have to be organized within the other events. And that's something that I've been thinking about, like possibly getting uh, all the surrounding towns and their events and everything just to kind of like coordinate coordinate and make the whole area. But again, that's one of those things that's going to take a lot of work. Coordinating stuff takes a lot of Oh my gosh, yes. I will say um, to Zara's point, this is a good idea though. Yes. If you can start by piggybacking on an event that already exists and that, that helps you and helps the event. Do it. Do it. Um, for Rogue Fest, it's really like our vision of it is kind of a different direction. Rogue so. Fest is kind of like bi- it's big. It's big um, the way that we're planning it. But you are absolutely right. Zara makes a great point, though. Yeah. yeah and I think even in our last podcast, um, we were talking about uh-huh. starting off that way. Yeah. If there's it like with Apple Fest going on, like we could, you know, you're able to do like a like an artist corner, an artist alley or something like that. Absolutely. That's really, really cool. But Rogue Fest, I'm like, no, I want I want Rogue Fest to be the center stage. And also, there's like a lot of rogues, yeah, right? There's, there's a, a lot, lot of rogues. rogues. So like, <laughs> even because one of you mentioned a hang, just a hangout, and I'm like, even just a hangout with the rogues, like if even half of the rogues were able to attend, that's a lot of rogues. So we would want to make sure that like everybody's everything, taken everyone's yeah. taken care of, right? Um, it would be cool to have open studio in the area during Rogue Fest. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. So Mary said, cool. So mostly an idea that gives me time to save up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, um, I think that I'm really personally enjoying being now in on the other side of the workshop, being in the evaluation yeah. stage, the low key evaluation phase of how it went. Wendell, um, Wendell says you have to do it to learn how to do it. Totally. Exactly. You do. That's that's really the only way to learn how to do something. And it's terrifying and you're going to use every excuse in the book to not do it, but really, you know, you just you you do it. You face the fear and then, you know, you face the anxiety, you face all the stuff and then you do it again and then you do it again and then next thing you know like you're good at it. You know, or at mm-hmm. least semi good at it, or you're able to convince yourself that you're good at it. Totally. Ajania's like, it would be like Burning Man. It would be like Burning Man minus the mud. And probably minus the lighting stuff on fire. Too. Yeah, minus the lighting stuff on fire. I don't know. If Except for permission. bonfires. Bonfires will be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom calls that dropping the feather, said Ginny, when she was a dancer and something would fall off a costume, a dancer would incorporate picking up the item as though it was meant to happen. Yes, I love that. It's a beautiful visual representation of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank Jania you, Ginny. says that that's how many rogues there, there are. are. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that the rogue fam is growing in number and we, we really are like set up for world domination. We really the rogue are. Fam. We really are. And that's where rogue fest, the idea of rogue fest being a thing came in because imagine having this kind of creative mind come together to put an event together. And it makes me think of some of the big events that, have happened in the past where it's just a group of artists that decided that they were going to, we're going to do this thing. Totally. We're do this thing. So yeah, uh, we'll, as far as that, the rogue community our amazing rogue community. We'll talk to you guys more about that. Um, but yeah, as far as this, I think we are at the end of the podcast. I would say that my ending notes here would be just do the thing and don't be afraid of getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the best way to learn. And uh, most importantly, just do the thing. Just do the thing. If you have an idea, if you're like, you know what, this would be fun. I never thought that I would enjoy doing a workshop 
uh, teaching art. And when I thought to myself, like, you know what, I'm going to do this, this thing. And I came up with a name for it. And it was like, um, let loose and paint with Rafi. Right. And I was like, I'm going to incorporate dirt. I'm going to show people how to add like weird things so that they could add texture to their paintings. It's going to be fun. Uh, every single person that signed up for the class brought wine. They brought ceviche and food and stuff. And it was just a, a three hour long party. It was the best. It was so much fun. So like stuff like that, I would have never experienced that if I was like on edge about getting it right. At the end of the day, everybody just had a good time and they painted. So, you know, if you're thinking about um, possibly extra ways to be able to make some some income with your art, with your creativity, that's definitely or with your talky talky good skills. Or with your talky talky good skills, yeah. (laughs) We just want a together. We don't need no stinking entertaining. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, I feel like Roguefest would talk so much and I would lose my voice. I would talk so much and lose my voice at Chan Chan. Yeah, that's part of the fun. Oh, this brings me to my final point, actually, post-event evaluation. Um, Ideally, you would give yourself like 24 hours post-event to have like total downtime and just sit with it and be in evaluation mode. Surprisingly for me, neither one of us has lost our voice after however many hours of talking yesterday. It was like eight hours of talking. Yeah. And then visiting in between talking. So it was really like 10 hours of talking. Um, Marty said, next time I'll add wine. Wine is, wine is always a good ingredient. Wine is good. Yeah. I would have expected um, to feel actually physically a little bit worse than I feel today. uh, Cause that just is par for the course. Um, and we did set ourselves up to podcast and live stream today. And actually I'm quite enjoying that, but, um, just know that, you know, any kind of event is going to take a bit of a physical and mental toll on you. And so try, you know, give yourself the time and space in the aftermath to like recuperate and evaluate and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Catch up on sleep. Cause you know, you didn't sleep the night before your event. Yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> Well, I want to give a big shout out to our Rogue Artist family for being here. You guys are amazing, and I always love having you here. And even though we are extremely tired and sore in areas that I didn't even know I had muscles, um, this was a great conversation. It was cool uh, talking about these things and really, really like analyzing how the day went yesterday and how we would maybe change things up or think about things moving forward. So thank you guys so much for being here and for everybody listening to this at home. Thank you so much for listening. If you are listening to this for the first time and you'd like to subscribe, go ahead and click uh, wherever it is that you need to subscribe or follow in order to get notifications whenever we do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And other than that, I would say it's time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Klee. Good day. Adios.